Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You see these things on social media. One, the physiques are unachievable, really, but also on, on the mental health aspect. I realized for me it was not healthy to wake up in the morning and constantly feel negative about food. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. Left our hearts in the lost and found. I'm Tanya Goodin. And each week, I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves, and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. I'm really happy to be ending season three of It's Complicated with this really lovely chat with James McVeigh from The Vamps. He's such a thoughtful and down-to-earth guy. Really, really enjoy chatting to him. He does a lot for cyberbullying and helping children keep safe online. So we talk quite a bit about that but also about his own issues around his eating disorder, which he's been very open about in the past, how social media might play into that with children and indeed adults at the moment. And then we finished up by chatting about what he's been doing to help us all keep entertained and fit during lockdown. So I think this is a lovely episode to be ending the series on, and I really hope you enjoy it. So, James, hi. Welcome to It's Complicated. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And it is really complicated at the moment, isn't it? Our lives, our relationship with tech, everything. I've I've been doing this podcast now for a couple of years, and I think now more than ever, all the way we've been dealing with the tech and the digital world is all kind of thrown on its head. And actually, I wanted to talk to you originally because of a tweet I saw back in February about accountability online and I'm just going to read it out you said my thoughts over 16s only on social media identification required for every account this is the only way I can see accountability being enforced online it's interesting at the moment because I was talking to someone yesterday about the fact there is an increase in kind of trolling and stalking 
I suspect we're probably going to see an increase in cyberbullying as well, because there's so much time being spent online. So I just wanted to start by talking to you a little bit about your work with the Diana Award and your work with child safety and what prompted that tweet although you probably can't remember back in February (laughs) well first of all I guess best place to start is I've been working with Diana Award from really I I presume the very first sort of music that the vamps released so that you're testing me now I think 2013 I'd guess that you know as soon as I started having a little bit of public attention a few organizations sort of came to to us all and um, for me it was really weird because you know I've relatively normal boy grew up in Dorset from a very I guess I hate the word average but pretty normal background but I I'd had like uh, yeah I think everyone has their fair share of bullying in one way or another and I was definitely fit into that category so then when the Diana Award Alex who who's uh, climbed the ranks of of Diana Award actually since since then um, he reached out to me asking if I wanted to do I think it was just like one video about anti-bullying week or something and uh, yeah that was yeah six or seven years ago and um and ever since I've sort of carried on working with them and I'm a, an ambassador. And what the Diana Awards do, which is brilliant, is I feel that they are kind of like the bridge between the person that's suffering from the bullying and, and getting help. So mm. for me, from my experience, I actually had, it was strange because I, you know, I'm 20, 27 soon. And the main kind of bullying period for me was, I guess, between ages, well, it was when I was starting to do music really. So I guess 13 to 14 so whatever yeah. yeah was that year nine maybe at my school um yeah, so it 13, was at time, year nine. yeah and, it, and it was that was kind of the time when social media I mean it was all on MySpace and uh and Bebo um, <laughs> which, but, yeah, well, whenever I say those things a lot of the people that you know I, I speak about just this look stuff blank. Too, yeah they have absolutely no idea so so I was I think I was really I mean obviously there was Facebook and stuff but I think from the toxicity that we see now, I was at the very, very beginning. And I mean, it was nothing like it is now back then. But mm. so I, I was kind of thrown into this world of being like, oh, wait a second, the people are saying stuff to me. I don't actually know them. And it was that whole enigma of like, because when, when bullying was happening to me physically at school, I was like, well, I know I know who these people are. I can yeah. I can try and go to that. I was quite lucky that even though it really did not my confidence, I was I wanted to be relatively proactive in, in addressing it so I, I thought you're right at least I, I know who these people are I can even I can speak to my parents or my friends or, or teachers about it and at least I know who they are but when it started coming at me online as well I was like yeah. and they were they were people I didn't know from different schools I Faceless. felt really, like, yeah. yeah well yeah exactly and I felt stuck and that's why I think the Diana Award is brilliant now because they offer that like helping hand to, to help people both obviously still physical bullying but also the cyber bullying which tends to be you know especially now as you say tends to be the one that's kind of taking over and they offer a range of services but they also do brilliant things where like for example again you know a lot of people feel uncomfortable speaking to teachers about about bullying or even their parents or or even their friends so what the Diana Award do is they train anti-bullying ambassadors which is just you know other students at school that can be like a help point and you can go there and touch base with them and say this is what's happening and and they they're able to then help and I think when you can speak to people that are in your sphere at school it's slightly less intimidating to some people yeah. than to go to like a head teacher so that's what the Diana Award do really well and they they've they've trained tens of thousands of ambassadors and and yeah and that's kind of why why I'm now still working with them because from day one up to present day they've done really brilliant work and so what stigma or there definitely was when I was younger about 
talking about bullying it was almost like an un- uncool thing that's in inverted commas that's not me saying it you know people like it sort of like avoided it it was kind yeah, of like you didn't talk about it did you yeah didn't talk about it and it pretend was it didn't happen yeah 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 and everyone was like oh well it, it just you know it happens whatever but actually the yeah. Diana would like no they've brought in a lot of familiar faces really influential people actors actresses sportsmen everyone and that's really added like a a really interesting dynamic to the whole discussion in a positive way like a celebrity field talking about these things where it's like oh actually that that person that I really look up to has gone through that with me and that helps me get through it so so yeah, yeah. why work with them so why did you say over 16s only I mean, and I totally get and I support identification and that's something I spent a lot of time talking about that anonymity is yeah. a real problem but what's your feeling about the kind of age limit because like there's going to be a lot of teens I'm happy with the idea that they have to wait. At the moment, they're unhappy that they have to wait to 13. Yeah. The schools that I do work in. So what was your thinking behind that? It was at a point where I think during that time, we'd had a few public suicides of of celebrities and influential figures. And and I was thinking, and and actually, it's really difficult for me to to say something like that, because at the end of the day, a lot of the people that that listen to Butter Music and definitely the Vamps are, are kind of under 16 but actually what I was thinking behind that was it's a lot I got a lot of backlash actually from it which I find quite interesting and a lot of people saying you can't do this to to 15 14 year olds but actually I I feel it's a way of protecting them because when you go online and you and the content is you know despite the best efforts actually going back to the Diana Award like we went to speak to the Secretary of Cult- uh, Digital and Culture like a, well, 18 months ago and we, we brought about a white paper that actually enhanced the security laws online and made the UK one of the one of the strictest which is brilliant but mm. there's still things that, that that you can view online that I think are extremely harmful to anyone let mm. alone children and the fact that you know during that time of trying to work on that white paper it took me three like clicks to get through to like a public execution and I'm like yeah. if I can do yeah. that like a seven-year-old could do that and obviously the sexual content that's that shouldn't be viewed uh, viewed by people and my, my logic behind the 16 age really was well how can we enforce it really and maybe it's to do with a, a driving license obviously that's like 17 but may, maybe it's something like that something that you can put into the system and I thought mm. 16 you know is the age of consent at least and and I, I just I thought something has to be done because at the end of the day there's so much harmful content on there it doesn't seem no matter how much we lobby governments to change it that content is still going through so yeah, it's I was like a tsunami isn't it yeah, yeah yeah and 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 the biggest the biggest thing I you know you mentioned before the biggest thing that I think allows people to do it is that just remaining anonymous not having to mm-hmm. own up to what you do not seeing like genuine repercussions and I think you know it, it, it's that it's why cyberbullying is so horrible and and easy for people because they don't feel like they can ever be made accountable and they can just get away with that it doesn't mean anything that there's not like a tangible like feeling associated with with it as opposed to like if you're in a playground and it's happening there and then so I think finding out finding a way of adding that responsibility is really important and for me the only realistic potential of doing that is to sort of you know add an ID or or something to, to what you say. So let's talk a little bit about your personal relationship with tech and the digital world. So you talked about the fact that, you know, you you were starting to make music at school 
you actually met the band, didn't you, on social media via yeah, YouTube, I yeah, think. That's yeah. how you got together. Absolutely. So again, I was the generation of the, the Blackberry Curve, which was the phone before oh my the iPhone. That uh, is a blast from the past. <laughs> yeah, I know. That that was that was my thing, the whole BBM things and uh, and stuff. So I got my first phone at probably thirteen and I was one of the last the last few of my friends. But back then, you know, even before the Blackberry, it was it was the Nokia thing. There was no there was no real social element to, to having a phone. Yeah. You know, you could text, but it, you didn't have any but apps. That was it. it wasn't internet. That was it. And then even with the BlackBerry, you could get on a website, but it just it didn't feel it didn't feel like it does now. So for me, I've been quite lucky actually that I think I I only just was at the point before I was brought up during social media. It's like social media wasn't apparent for me, <laughs> thankfully. Mm. But you're right in saying that it's been like poignant to like the band's formation. So. I um the band started after I saw well first of all I was sort of like scouted by my manager when I was sort of 15 through MySpace so that was from the off that was like a social media thing and then we spoke about creating a band and I then went out to find a singer because I didn't really want to be a singer and my first point of call was YouTube and there was a real movement on YouTube at, at that time in 2011 or 12 when loads of people were just doing loads of covers on YouTube it was like a real era of YouTube where it seems there was a couple of massive massive artists that their sole sort of like career was was doing covers so I trawled through hours and hours of YouTube videos seeing people cover like Ed Sheeran and then in the end Brad our singer sort of popped up just turned 15 <laughs> and was on there yeah. and you know we reached out through I found him then on Facebook from there and and then for Tristan, the drummer, and Connor, the bass player, it was, again, it was on Facebook and YouTube. And then as soon as we started writing songs together, we thought, well, it, the natural thing to do is to put stuff on YouTube. So really, actually, the, the birth, and, and saying that as well, the moment that we, because Connor, the bass player, came a couple months later, the moment that we asked him to be the bass player, we filmed it and put it straight on YouTube. So actually, the entirety of the band's formation it's and evolution yeah. Yeah, is, is on YouTube. And, you know, from that very first video where, the three of us are sat in a hotel room doing a, I think it's a Connor Maynard cover, you know, and I, I watched, bizarrely, I watched that back sort of like for the first time in maybe five years, a couple of days ago, just to like sort of relive that weird point in my life. And yeah, it, it's easy to forget how much of your life's on social media, but but for us, it, it really, really was. And now, you know, we're on to our fifth album. I've nearly, well, it's been probably 10 years I've been working on or, or with the Vamps and social media just seems to be well, becoming even more and more of everyday everyday life. Like we're planning our next album and there's new apps that I didn't even know existed that, that the record label are saying, oh, well, this is really important in, uh, in releasing music now. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> so, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's ever evolving. And it's that thing of trying to keep up with the curve. And I think that's also part of the issue why, why people and, and, and teenagers fall through the cracks because they don't feel if they, can, if they can't get the latest £1,500 iPhone, then they're not going to be able to shoot the best selfie videos of them dancing yeah. to a song or doing yeah. something. And then it is. And they're not going to get discovered on YouTube. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of these things where, like, I feel in it's a, it's kind of like climate change. You could argue, like, we're great at humans to kind of like, oh, let's, let's not really think about what's going on yet. Oh my God, it's too late. What have we done? And I feel like social media is kind of at that point now where we all know it's actually pretty crazy and and potentially quite detrimental to our mental health but we've got so far that we're like mm, well this is just life now <laughs> how have you coped with that whole kind of explosion in you know social media growing at the same time as your public profile was growing I mean so you know you've now got 
over a million, nearly two million followers, haven't you, on mm. Instagram. How does that feel when you go from, you know, opening your first Instagram account and then, you know, managing this massive audience yeah. directly? Well, <laughs> well I, I actually was quite late to join Instagram. I remember Brad, who's the singer, and I being like, oh, God, like, everyone's on Instagram. Should we do it? And, oh. And we sort of like thought, oh, go on then, let's go on Instagram, blah blah, because it was it was Twitter when we started. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it, and you know, and I kind of got it was about that a two bit or more. three years before, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I understood that more because I, I thought, well, at least you you know you can see comp, you can reply to people about stuff, you can share your music. You can, I kind of got that, but when Instagram came along, I didn't really understand. So I got that sort of like, not really willingly, and. And yeah, it, it was a weird one though because we we were very lucky that the band sort of was quite successful quite quick. The first song sort of went right up to was number number two, I think, and and the album was number two as well. And it was in the time just before streaming, really. So having like a number two song was like you know it was one of the biggest songs in mm. in the UK. And all of a sudden, I I was the oldest and I was eighteen, and all of a sudden we were sort of like thrown into that limelight and and. We really, you know, I again, I saw some videos the other day, old Vamps videos, and like we, you know, we, we were going to like Italy, and there'd be like 500 kids surrounding a car, and then you know you'd have the same in Japan, and like we still get it to an extent now, but I think because we're older, it's easier to deal with. But back then, everything was a whirlwind, and mm-hmm. that was reflected on social media. So you know, you could <laughs> you could go on social media and 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 tweet something. And and all of a sudden you'd have like five thousand people replying, and obviously a lot of people think that that's brilliant and that's like what it means to be successful. But it, it's fine when you know you're saying, oh, I I really like that song from Taylor Swift or whatever, and you're getting yeah ten thousand retweets or whatever. But then all of a sudden you say something that you think's fine and it's taken in the wrong way, and then you have those same ten thousand people trying to bring you down, and it's crazy. So it took me a long time to actually take a step back and well for, for a long time I sort of second album time third album time I really wasn't wasn't happy and I don't I don't really know the right word for it like uh, pressure's perhaps not it but sort of like an unfulfillment I, I kind of felt and you know we were touring around the world but I knew that all the time there was people kind of waiting for me to tweet something or put something on Instagram and it kind of took over my life really and it was that weird like imbalance of me thinking that you know starting out the band with Brad I thought we were going to be like a really really cool guitar band and social media was never really that that like driving force but then all of a sudden it there was like a shift in the music industry where actually social media was on the same level if you think of like scales it was on the same level as like making good music and I was like that's really weird and it, it even it felt for a little bit um definitely during during the earlier years of the vamps that actually the scales changed even more so to look good on social media to be active on there to do the latest video that was almost more important than writing the songs and and that was really strange for me so i i kind of tried my best to separate james in real life from dorset that lives with his parents from james touring the world getting you know top 10 songs and i tried to like separate the two and it worked for a few months but then it, it really didn't and it spiraled and it was a bit like well i need to I need to actually recognize that what we're doing is 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 really cool and yeah it took me a long time to sort of like readjust and recalibrate how I felt about social media and and the band in its in its entirety and now I like to, I mean it's hard now obviously that we're all stuck at home but um and we're always on our phones but I like to think now that I'm able to say uh no I I am I am in the band I I do have influence on social media and that's a good thing and I'm going to try my best to 
to be positive on there, but I'm not going to take everything that I see on there as, as truth, but it's just part of me. And it's not, you know, it's not James offline, James online. It's just James mm. um, that just happens to, you know, be part of the Vamps with millions of followers. But yeah, it's definitely like a learning, a learning process. And, and it's one of those things where I think a lot of people, we're very lucky with the Vamps, as I say, it's been nearly 10 years and it's like, I didn't really think it was going to go for this long. I had the best intentions, but you just, you know, you think of bands and you think, oh, they do a couple albums and then they're sort of, they sort of drift off, but we're still here. And, <laughs> and it's amazing. I'm so lucky. And, and we, we, you know, we've not had any fallouts and we're like, no, we still really love it. So it's just about, yeah, as I say, accepting that, that my life is, is strange, but I share it with some really brilliant people. And it doesn't have to be negative having millions of followers and influence on social media. You know, you can, you can still be a good person and, I'd have followers. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you ever feel a kind of responsibility? I mean, you've talked about the fact that a lot of your fans are very young. Does that ever kind of weigh heavy on you that you think, oh, I've got to be careful that everything I'm posting is, you know saying the right thing to you know 14 or 15 year olds that I'm I, you know. yeah I, I definitely didn't at the start and there's, there's been a couple of instances where things have been misinterpreted or or made up or whatever and I've had a lot of people 
sort of come at me on social media and I've just replied and and like and it's just it never really it never really worked like I tried to sort of like add a fuel to the fire and it's like that that stuff doesn't really work because no matter how you feel in that moment or how the person that you're replying to feels there's still millions of other people that are like the silent audience that just look at that and feel a certain way and it's just like yeah I, now I'm more conscious of what I do and actually for me definitely Twitter I mean one I don't I don't read through any comments on Instagram at all anymore but, but don't you that's interesting no yeah. and I was thinking about even just disabling the comments because I don't it's just yeah I don't, I don't it doesn't it doesn't give me any anything um but but on Twitter I yeah I, I do try and limit what I say now to more often than not it's tweeting about like a charity thing um or or just like a really like boring well boring thing that I think so like oh, I just made eggs or something like I don't, I don't really or actually well I mean you know I do get quite political to be fair which again quite divisive but no I try and I do try and tweet something that I would say I wouldn't think right I'm going to go after I don't know Tristan from the vamps today I'm going to bring him down because I just don't think it's you know it's not I, I wouldn't like to see my my idols just like constantly trying to argue with people I just don't mm. yeah I think social media you know there's, there's always going to be like disagreements and that's fine but I think we should all try our best to to not be confrontational every moment of the day which is quite difficult for me uh, Kirsty my fiance will always say that I do love a good argument but <laughs> but I don't know how productive it is and also actually going back to what we said at the very start you know people of all ages and backgrounds can see everything that I tweet so you know I could be potentially say like offensive to, to someone that that you know I don't know someone my age or and then and then like an eight-year-old might read that and think you know and I could I could swear in it and it's just I I forget and I think the problem is a lot of people do forget that what goes on social media can be viewed by everyone I and mean, it's very yeah, easy to yeah. forget because it's so easy to post but it goes back to that accountability and responsibility and I think we should all feel responsible for, for what we say online regardless of if we've got no followers or 10 million it can feel sometimes that you're just having a conversation with one person, can't it? And then you, yeah. as you say, you forget that absolutely everybody can see it. One of the issues that I get involved a lot in talking to schools about is eating disorders and how much mm. social media encourages or, you know, exacerbates eating disorders online because yeah. of that whole perfect body. And you've been very open. You've you've spoken about your issues around kind of food and body image. Mm. Um what what are your feelings about that? Because actually, something that I've noticed a lot. So I've been talking in schools now for eight years. Is more and more boys are coming and talking to me about body image issues. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a real. You know, it used to be girls. Mm. Now there's there's a lot of boys saying, you know, how can I get a six pack like this guy? How can I look really fit like my hero? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, for for me, you know, it was the same just before the. Actually, no, it coincided with the with the original kind of bullying I had when I was making music. At the same time, I, I was like, I felt a bit insecure about, about you know, what people were saying about the songs I was writing. So I looked around me at school and I was like, right, who's popular? And it was the kid, you know, I went to a, a sports college, at, well, a sports school at the time. And the popular ones were the, the rugby players and whatever. And it was the same time that there's a couple of American fashion outlets that, that like to parade topless torsos on on their marketing you probably oh, know, I know exactly what I mean. you mean yes. and, yeah and it was a real real fad at, at my school and I think most schools in the UK was like the first time like California came to Dorset and everyone was like yeah. walking around with these shopping bags and stuff and so I I bought like a shirt from from that shop and it was in my bedroom for for like months and every day I think you know subliminally I'd like I'd be waking up and going to bed and I'd see this bag of this like torso and I was like 
oh yeah like i need to i need to be that and before you know, definitely takes over young boys' lives. And I think one of the biggest things that I'm starting to to realise and talk about is, you know, you see you see these things on social media. One, that the physiques are well unachievable, really, unless you have extreme diet supplements, steroids half the time, or whatever. But also this whole thing of like get fit, stay healthy. And actually, I don't think that fitness and and health should be aligned to someone that's got like an eight pack like and it's got like seven percent mm. body fat because that you know you might think that you look athletically built but that is not it's not a healthy one it's not a healthy physique to have because what they don't talk about is how bad your skin is or how much you're pushing your your organs to lift the weights or whatever or how unnatural it actually is to to have 300 kilograms on your shoulders like but also on on the mental the mental health aspect like it is not healthy to well, I, I realized for me, it was not healthy to wake up in the morning and constantly feel negative about food, to constantly mm. have to evaluate, should I eat that? Should I not? To be in a really bad mood if I can't eat something, if I can't get to a gym because I'm touring in Japan, it's not healthy to be in a really bad mood with the other three boys in the band or, you know, or things like that, or, or not or not be happy with, with a picture on the beach with, with my mum because I thought I looked fat when I had 7% body fat. It's like, that is not healthy. So I think we have to realign, you know, like, like we're trying to do, and I think we're making really positive strides with male mental health in general. We need to also adopt that, the notion of the, the kind of gender constructs around how a man should look. I think we need to address that mm. too at the same time. But and actually what I found really interesting is now, you know, I've, I've met Kirsty and stuff and, and we're, and we're sort, I've sort of like ticked that box, it's done, thank God. The irony is, like, she, you know, she, she sees pictures of what I used to look like when I was, like, 18, and she was like, I don't find that attractive at all. And I'm like, oh, uh, that's the thing. I think us guys need to realise it's not necessarily what, you know, the people we want us to uh, to like us actually like. <laughs> I'm really struck that you're talking about how one image on one bag was enough to kind of tip you over into the edge in, in that. And, and, you know, and you think yeah. about boys now at school, 14, 15 year olds, they're seeing those kind of images 24 seven, you know, yeah, in a yeah, constant definitely. stream. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's hard as well because I like to compare fitness to, to like a millionaire having money. Cause I was in that, I was in that thing with the fitness where it's like, you think that you have a goal and this is what I mean where, you know, where people say, Oh, 12 week diet plan and you will lose four inches but it's like that's not like the end the, the book doesn't close when you get there because you're never satisfied with it you know you can yeah, get a, yeah. a millionaire that earns 10 million but he'll always see someone who wants another <laughs> yeah and, it, and it's not you know that's it's not the end it doesn't it doesn't just like finish then because like you know I got the six pack and stuff but I was like yeah but like my arms are a bit skinny and then you know I'd I try and work on my arms and then my abs would have gone a, a little bit again. And it's just like, it's a constant, constantly critiquing your physique is not a positive outlook. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you have these Instagram streams, this explore thing on Instagram is lethal for, <laughs> for my mental health anyway, because the things that I like, you know, like in inverted commas, like on Instagram are, say, I don't know, fast cars, dogs, workout exercises. And then all of a sudden on my explore page, it's just all that, but it's like that times 10. So it's like the nicest yeah. car in the world, like the most shredded guy I've ever seen. And it's like, it's very easy to realize it. And, you know, I, I'm trying, I try and be quite vocal about how I feel and like I'm honest and accepting that it's, it's a negative way to, to look at myself. But even I, after accepting that, still look at that and I'm like, oh, like that, that, that's really nice. <laughs> but it's just, it's, and that, you know, so can you imagine someone that, that perhaps, you know, does struggle 
from bullying at school or stuff and 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 they're on instagram on their own and it's it's not hard to put two and two together and and see how they end up at that place where they're like right i have to do that to fit in so talking about fitness and dogs as being two things that instagram (laughs) suggests to you i've been looking at what you've been getting up to in lockdown at at home and how you've been entertaining everyone (laughs) I, i just wanted to say to everyone listening to this podcast that you have to look at james Clipping his dog's toenails. <laughs> which is we only got absolutely, <laughs> this is absolutely brilliant with peanut butter on his head. I'm not going to say any more yeah. than that. But you're doing a lot around fitness. I noticed yeah. about yeah. trying to keep people fit in in lockdown. Are you doing any of the kind of? Are you doing PE with Joe, or are you doing any of the daily workouts that anyone else yeah. is doing online? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I am doing uh, PE with actually, and that's because my, my best mate from Dorset, well, one of my, I've got a couple, I don't want to offend the other ones. <laughs> one of my best mates from Dorset has got a four-year-old daughter, and he was like, oh, she loves it, you should do it. And I was like, oh. oh. But, 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 but then I did, and I've done it. I've, today's the first day, actually, I've not done it in three weeks, because we, wow. we had to pick up some food for an elderly neighbour. But yeah, I, I just love the fact, for me, which is, it's you know, it's obvious, looking back now, how I got into such a weird, mindset about fitness and food like for me routine is like key it's like yeah i'd be rubbish in the army but i feel like i have the like the military precision of planning my day to a t so for me having routine even when you've got you know like it, at the start of isolation and lockdown when i looked at my calendar everything had just been cancelled effectively like everything mm. like we'd probably be in america now promoting new music and i thought right looking at say six blank weeks like i need routine in my life to to keep me kind of like mentally stable really and the thing I thought I could do is you know when this PE which I think came about I thought right every day five days a week I you know at nine o'clock in the morning I can get up I can have like a really nice like nutritious breakfast which you know I, I wouldn't normally have but I'd be like no I'll do that every day that's my routine and then I'll do workout with Joe and then it'll get to sort of like 10 o'clock in the morning and I've had a really positive start because normally for me I'd get up and I'd go to the gym with my mates here in London and we'd have a really nice chat we might have a coffee and then I'd go and you know do, do the band stuff and that routine really set me up before coronavirus so I thought right there's no there's no excuse for me to not come up with some form of routine so I did that and then I thought well you know the PE with Joe thing is like brilliant but it, it's like it's it's absolutely massive it's like a monster now isn't it and he's so good mm-hmm. and brilliant and I love him but I thought well some people might look at that and think well he's been doing that for like a few weeks now I don't know if I want to get involved so I thought what I'd do is like a small mini version of that where instead of because obviously joe's like trained pt and he's brilliant i'm not at all i'm just like relatively you know normal i've really loved going to the gym and stuff but i'm not like that so i thought well, i might start doing something where i'll do like really like easy and, and accessible exercises yeah. with no weight so stuff like star jumps for example i hadn't done since first school and see if people want to do it with me and i've got a mate that's a that's a trained pt and he he jumps in as well and you know for any like technical things he'll help with that and stretches but I just thought it'd be good to do something where, you know, like, for example, we, we, um, we're doing a workout later on today that a 12-year-old girl came up with that she's been watching. And, and I was like, what, what are your favorite exercises? And we've, we've done a workout tonight that she's kind of come up with. Brilliant. Like doing something that, you know, like fans can, can do. And actually, a lot of the people that do them had never done anything like that before. Never been to a gym, never even done like a home workout. And we're, we're sort of bringing people in. And I'm deliberately doing it in a way that I don't really want to shout about it on, like, my main Instagram too much because I, I don't want people to be like, oh, is James turning into a PT? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm not. But, <laughs> but I just thought, you know, for the people that are interested, 
we'll do something. And even if only 50 people do it at a time or whatever, it's 50 people that we're sharing that connection with. We're being social, even though we're not with each other and uh, mm-hmm. trying to get some good stuff done. I see you've been recording some songs for the children's hospice that you yeah, yeah. are a patron of. And that looked lovely. And I, I saw one of your video calls you made to one of the Oh, God, yeah. They, um, so that's, yeah, that's Julia's house where it's in Dorset. So I used to go to school, I'd say, half a mile from that place. I drove past that every day. So that was my upper school. So, yeah, every day. And it's like if you, if you live in that area, so it's, uh, well, it's pool technically in Dorset. Everyone knows about it. And I've done, I've done work with them for ages. But when I did The Jungle, Harry Redknapp's also from down there, obviously. And mm. he, he's like a really big patron of that as well. And I think, you know, when I was in the jungle with Harry, we spoke about it so much. And I thought, you know, what, I really need to just do more for those guys because it's been a big part of my life, even though, thankfully, I've not had to use any of the services there. Like, it's just one of those things that, you know, there'd always be like fun runs for Julia's house. And I thought, well, you know, why not? It's similar, similar to like the Diana Award. I'm like, well, if I can do something, I should do. And I've done a couple of visits there now. And yeah, we've met a few people. There's a girl called Annabelle who I did. Um, I actually sort of, before lockdown, I went there and sort of, surprised that she's blind but really and, and partially deaf actually but but really into music and um and we we surprised her there and it's brilliant and it's like that that's what like the true i guess value of what musicians do i think doing things like that and you know it's brilliant yeah, to play to, yeah. to thirty thousand people in india at a festival but actually like going to meet that one person that for them that is like a really big deal it's actually that that's more valuable to me so yeah they got in contact to see if i do a couple of songs and I didn't really know what I'd do because you know I don't tend to sing any lead stuff I'm you know more more of the harmonies and stuff but uh but yeah I did a few songs and um yeah always happy to help them out and Harry's been brilliant for, for them as well so uh, and it's a very difficult time at the moment obviously because a lot of a lot of funding for charities is not happening so I think it's really important to to also remember those guys in this time as well because sadly they you know their services are still still required yeah and then the look on the little girl's face when you were uh, video called, oh, it was just, it was brilliant. Mm, it's really so lovely. I know, I know, I know, so lovely. <laughs> so, James, I could chat to you all day, but we're all busy <laughs> in lockdown. We've all got oh, Zoom calls to get on. I'm, gl- I'm glad you are. <laughs> so i've got just three questions that i normally end the podcast with so some you know some of we might have already covered but you know might be a good kind of summary so what's the one thing you'd like to say to everyone listening about their phone and digital habits what's what's the one thing that you you'd like them to think about maybe relevant to now maybe relevant to kind of when we get out of lockdown yeah so i think during lockdown it's it's very difficult to have a bit of bit of space between you and your phone. For me, I find myself just sort of picking it up, which is bad because before lockdown, I, I thought I was getting into a good sort of habit of not doing that. What I find really effective is, I mean, I I delete the apps off my phone until I post. I reinstall ah. them, post them, and then just delete them. Obviously, yeah. it's hard. I keep on finding myself reinstalling them, and I'm like, James, what are you doing? I put it down again. <laughs> but um, but whether it's something as simple as saying, right, for the first couple hours I'm awake, I'm not going to do it because I think there's a real thing of waking up and going straight on social media that it kind of like sets the tone for the rest of the day for yeah. me, definitely. Yeah. And I think whether you like it or not, well, for me personally, social media doesn't actually really give me anything. It just seems to take things from me, so it makes me feel 
slightly, oh, I missed out on it, even though nothing's happening mm. in the world. It's like, oh, I missed out because they did that really good workout or I don't know, that kind of stuff. Or, oh, the, those people don't live in London and they, they have a garden. And it's like, you know what? That's not, I don't want to wake up and feel negative from the off. So maybe something as simple as limiting your social media usage to, you know, I don't know, don't download it till 11 o'clock and then at 6 p.m. delete it again. Or, you know, if you are finding uh, that you're struggling with the cyberbullying thing, oh, the Diana Award is still is still working throughout throughout this time. But also, you know, think about disabling the comments because if you're just, mm. say you just use Instagram and you're not actually seeing any of the interaction, at the end of the day, it's just it's just a photo book for for yourself really. Um, but I would say, yeah, be conscious of how much you're using it. Use that screen time thing that that is scary. You know, I think I had about five and a half hours the other day, and I was like, oh wow. So that's what I'd say. And then after after lockdown when we are able to go out more that's when I find it much easier to delete the app or actually what I do now is when we walk our dog Moochie I'll leave my phone in the house for a couple hours and Kirsty will have her so in an emergency we you know we can do you something can but be, that's it. yeah you can, yeah someone can contact you yeah 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 but just you should be conscious of how much you're using it because before you know it, it is I think it is an addiction and I'm sure they'll come up with some evidence in 20 years when they look back at our era and think yeah they actually were addicted to those phones so um yeah be careful <laughs> Brilliant. And and what have you learned about yourself from your phone habits over the years? I've learned at some point how insecure I felt about certain things, how I avoided dealing with, with issues and actually sort of like how selfish selfish I've been over the years and, and, and I mean I I don't know whether like vain's the word, but like obsessed with being accepted. I think that's mm. something that you know, we all want to be liked regardless of where we're from or what we do or what platform we're using but I think you know getting to a point where you know if I'd had I don't know 50,000 like likes on something that was my sort of like perception of being accepted and and yeah that's a good one and then if I put a picture up and it would get 30,000 like, oh, what have I done wrong and then I feel genuinely a bit rubbish and I just think that doesn't doesn't mean much so I think for me learning that the value of life doesn't revolve around Instagram likes is has been a big one for me and also recognizing that it isn't everything you know there is there is a life out there or perhaps not at the moment too much but when we are able to do stuff other than sitting on our phones you know that's how you feel fulfillment and enrichment speaking to people face to face and feeling things as opposed to you know texting and, and posting pictures on twitter that is such a brilliant note to end on so I'm going to end there. So thanks so much, James. Thank it's you. A real pleasure no speaking to you. Thank Absolutely. You. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 